Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. Hi, I'm Karen Kaposa, Peter Bulimic. I'm glad to be here, glad to be abstinent today. Oh my gosh, so glad to be abstinent. Uh, I came into Overeater, I have a home group on uh, 9 a.m. in Scottsdale uh, on uh, at Scott's North Scottsdale Fellowship Club. And I have a sponsor. She knows she's my sponsor. I meet with her at least once a week. And I have uh, sponsees in the program as well. Um, and that is, uh, you know, I'm an active member of Overeaters Anonymous. I don't have any OA commitments, though. Um, sometimes acting as a treasurer at our home group. So that's cool. Last month I did. I was the leader of a meeting because I need to be in the middle of the herd for sure. And I've been in and out of the middle of the herd to the outside of the herd. And the consequences have been um, encouraging to stay in the middle of the herd. (laughs) I've been coming to Overeaters Anonymous since 1998. I first started, uh, I had just gotten out of a I was participating in an abusive relationship for, for many years and I had just gotten out, spent thousands of dollars on self-help program, trying to figure out what was wrong with me and to be, you know, successful in life. And, and after we got back from one of those weekends, like I could not stop eating. And it was um, the second time that the the second or third time I, I was having some that compulsive eating the first time I was in high school. And then the second time in my freshman year in college where it just took over and I didn't understand it. And, and then I, and then when it was doing it again, I was just, I reached out to somebody and I'm like, I can't, I can't stop. And I, w- I went to intensive outpatient in um, a hospital, local hospital in New Jersey. And I was so envious of the bulimic and anorexic women <laughs> They were thin and I was getting fatter and fatter and I, uh, and gaining weight was, um, I, I just never thought I would ever have, have that trouble. Uh, I never, I just never thought I'd have that trouble. And I was watching it rob for me what was so important to me and which was not being fat. And my dad was the first one to point out that I was gaining weight. Like I didn't notice. And he was always, uh, he had, um, you know, his relationship with food, he would never start eating until dinner time because he knew once he started, he couldn't stop. I remember him saying once and he, and, uh, and my aunt too, she's always, um, talking about her weight. Um, my mom's side of the family too, you would know about, ask about how the event was and you'd learn about the food, not, not about what people were wearing or who had a good time or what you did. It was just about, this is what they served. And so I thought that was, that was normal. And I didn't have my mom's problem. I did not have my mom's fat problem. And all of a sudden I was watching me have that problem and I couldn't stop. And so it was recommended to try and go to oh, at IOP, which I went to there. And it was just, um, I just showed up. And when I got out of there, I didn't, 
know what to do after that. And that, and somebody in my life suggested going to Overeaters Anonymous. And in that IOP program, they didn't even mention Overeaters Anonymous. So when I went to my first meeting, it was in the same hospital. So I went to the wing and rang the doorbell because it was a locked unit. And they're like, why are you here? And I'm like, I'm here for the meeting. And they said, we don't have a meeting here. And um, it was in a different area of the hospital. And that was my first time going to Overeaters Anonymous. And and I couldn't get it. There was just people there that looked like my mom and I didn't have my mom's problem, nor did I want to have it. And, uh, and I couldn't stop. I just thought if I showed up, it would just stop. I just thought I'll show up. I'll learn this program. And I kept hearing, keep coming till the miracle happens. Keep coming till the miracle happens. And I'm just like, I didn't get it. Cause I kept coming and it wasn't happening and it wasn't happening. And, and I kept coming and, and I think that that was the, the best thing I did was just keep coming. And I started hanging out with you guys and learning about the food plan. And I kept getting fired by sponsors. And I just, it was so painful because I didn't understand what I didn't understand. And I didn't, what I didn't understand is, is that I had a disease and I, and I never really fully got to explain about step one. And that, uh, what, and then I moved out to Arizona. I got, ended up getting sober in 2000 and moved out to Arizona about a year and a half later and started coming here. And, and during that recovery, I got to understand that there's, there's this disease and, and I don't think I really uh, conceded to my innermost self that it had me because it, it ebbed and flowed and I found a new higher power and he had a name and, and it quieted that, that compulsion down for a while and the consequences fell off my body and, and all was well for a while <laughs> until it wasn't. And I, then I quit smoking and the compulsion came back and I couldn't stop. And I was crazy. I was getting my master's degree and I was working and I was crazy and I was acting out and I didn't know what was wrong again. And I couldn't stop and I couldn't stop. And I was by then, then later I was, teaching kindergarten and, and my kids would say, how come you get to have two snacks or three snacks and we only get one. And, oh, that was so embarrassing. I thought they didn't see me. You know, I thought I was hiding it. Well, so what I learned about, um, being in, um, in to the 12 step lifestyle, which I realized another program is an outside issue, uh, is about being in the middle of the herd and participating and being involved. And, and like I said, the, where I was going to meetings, they looked like my mom and I couldn't, and I was just at that age and I still hated her. So I just didn't want to have her disease because it meant I'd have all the other things too, that she had. I was on my way to a, and at that time, I mean, the sugar was just like, you know, I'd go to one circle K and then go to the next one. And then instead of why am I just buying one small one, then buy the king size one. And then it was just like, well, why just buy one king size one? Cause now I just need two. And it just slowly got bigger and bigger and worse. And I went, I decided to go some, I forget why, but I was, I went to another girlfriend of mine from the other program and we went to an OA retreat. And we stopped for our last hurrah and, and turned out like that last hurrah food is something that was still on my food plan after I got abstinent and something happened October 22nd, which ironically is my mother's birthday, 2005. And then the sugar compulsion left. It just 
left. I didn't do anything different that day other than went to an OA retreat down in St. Davis. St. David is a really cool place down near Tombstone. And so when I got back, it was, um, it was about, uh, you know, learning how to eat without sugar and reading a lot of labels, reading, not learning how to eat without cane sugar and, and things, you know, cane sugar. And so it was about seeing how much that stuff was in how so much I don't do the recreational. I don't eat recreational sugar that if it's in my body, I know it's in my body. If I accidentally have some salsa and I, I and there's sugar, they put sugar in that salsa. I, it's in my body. So I don't play the, you know, I don't play the, I don't use Listerine and I, and I don't play the game. I don't smoke cigars because I, I'm, I'm not a smoker. It's too much of my neck, but I have an allergy to the body. And when there's sugar in something, my body knows it and it knows it well. Uh, I just, my body reacts and, and so great for the grace of God. And then I got into the middle of the herd. I started doing back to the basics OA that were rewritten for OA. I started doing those around um, Arizona and it was really fun and, um, and really started reading the book and getting involved. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, I knew too much and, and OA was less fun than the other program. And, and I slowly found myself, uh, I would just go to the meeting and I always had a commitment and, and I did the minimal and I worked with others and I stopped, um, uh, I stopped doing the work and talking about this disease about 2012, my, uh, my, my dad unexpectedly, uh, passed away. I took over his business and 18 months later, my partner who helped me take over the business passed away unexpectedly. He would have been, uh, 52 yesterday. And, um, and then I found another God and he had a name and I, uh, started watching the compulsion come back and thank goodness I never got into the sugar. I knew where that took me. I was relieved of that addiction. So here I am starting to binge and purge. And I start, I looked on the internet, how to purge. And I remember seeing somebody asking how to purge on the internet and somebody else responding, you are so sick. You need help. And I was like, I need to know, cause I am not putting the consequences back on my body. I'm not putting the consequences back on my body. And sure enough, I started doing that. And it wasn't, it wasn't even like I, you know, I wasn't, I, I didn't eat weight. Nothing that was like mind altering food that I was eating, but I was raging inside. And the bulimia got some deep, deep seated rage out. And I was hopping grocery stores and doing the whole thing that they talk about at other, other places I've heard and just, I don't want to go there because they saw me or da da da, and, and it was just like driving to the store and I could have just thrown $10 out the window instead because it was, it was in and out of my body within 20 minutes. It was just like, throw this $10 out. And all of a sudden I was fettered to that. I was fettered to that disease for two years, you know, another Monday, I'm going to stop on another Monday. And I was working the steps and I was just, and I was talking about what was going on and I just couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. And I tried everything, you know, somebody suggested chew on cinnamon gum or do this or try this, just 
just anything but try God. And it was to get a different food plan. Or somebody told me if I didn't, I had an OA sponsor. And thank God for my um, other sponsor. I had an OA sponsor tell me if I don't believe in this, in this particular God, that I was never going to get abstinent. And I was like, that's against the tradition. And I called my sponsor and I said, can you believe she said this? And she said, and Karen said, how do you know that that's not true? And thank goodness. And she wasn't conceding to the breaking of the tradition or what was said, but it was, it was what the book teaches us. And it, and it, and, and it teaches us about that. I have to set aside everything I think I know to have a new experience. And thank goodness that's what her response to me was, was how do you know? And I went into a meditation and this particular, um, you know, and God came up and I was like, and, and he said, you don't have to believe in me. You have all these other gods. You, you're a seeker. And, and all of a sudden, like it, sitting, you know, crisscross applesauce to be PC, sitting in, in that way all the other teachers that I've studied over the years were there. And I was like, Oh, good. Cause that means that I could still get better. <laughs> and it wasn't until years later, I was like, Oh, he did show up. <laughs> and, um, and, and that started the journey. And I had a sponsor uh, ask me, she said, um, have you tried everything? And nobody's ever asked me that before. And I was, and I heard her and I said, you know what? I've tried everything to stop this bulimia and thank goodness. You know, again, I wasn't, and I went into IOP again. And it was a humbling experience to be in IOP with people. Um, and I know I have six minutes left, so I'll get into the recovery piece. But the IOP that, and I was willing, I had somebody in my life and he said, because I, I run my own business and I had three dogs. And I'm like, I can't go inpatient. I'm going to lose my business. I'm gonna, you know, who's going to watch my dogs? And, and he said, I'll watch your dogs. And it was that I was at that moment where I was willing to just do whatever it took and, and let go. Cause it was affecting my, my cognition, it, my teeth, you know, thousands of dollars uh, years later I ended up in five minutes. Yep. Thanks. And so I uh, ended up in IOP with people that most of them will never participate in regular society. It was, it was very humbling. And I told the therapist, the, the head of that, I said, I know too much. So call me out. And I, ha- and I said that from the start and she did. And, and again, I did something I would never do before. And I got absent from, from, um, from bulimia. And it's, I don't know how many years it's been six or so. So I'm very grateful. And, and today um, I have a sponsor, like I said, who, who knows she's my sponsor and, and recently um, learned about what, who I am when I'm untreated and without God, a God in my life. And the book talks about God as, you know, Dr. Silkworth and, and Dr. Carl Jung, who spent decades and decades and decades, three decades or more at the time they were writing in this book with people who had addiction issues. And they knew that there was a group of us who had problems and they knew that they that we needed a spiritual awakening, which is a change in perspective. And they knew they couldn't take us to it. And we, and you and I are uniquely qualified. We are uniquely qualified to help each other. And, um, and thank goodness for how this program works. And that Dr. Sokol was like, yeah, you know, maybe it's a good idea to talk to others. And he got to see the miracle of that smaller population actually get better. And, 
you know, and then, and then, you know, years later pops up Overeaters Anonymous with the same, same thing. And, and the big book talks about this. And what I know is that um, I have a belief system that drives me into illusion, delusion, conclusion, illusion, delusion, conclusion, a false belief system. And, um, and I need a different belief system and power, peace, sense of direction is the adjectives that the big book talks about. Where do I feel that? And, and let me find that I need to find, I need something greater than me because who I am is right there in the actor and director. And I am nasty. And I recently got to go um, on vacation out of the country and I was staying with some some friends who have a second home there and untreated, untreated, nasty, watched, uh, nasty. And my first reaction was compassion. And that is the difference between my victim mentality that I grew up with and the victim mentality I was raised with um, and the victim mentality I was fettered with to that I have a power greater than me and, um, and that I can have compassion because, and I saw who I was and I saw in the areas of my life today where it's where I need to suit up and show up differently um, and start asking God to, to, to change me so that I can be the example of the book, um, the example of recovery. And I'm in a, I'm in a way in and outside the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, even though I don't need to talk about it. And, and I have a design for living that really works and I can show up and kindliness, tolerance, patience, and love. And I can understand that I internalize other people's behaviors because I'm a selfish, self-centered, sensitive, compulsive overeater, and it's a handicap and that I have a solution for those things today. And sometimes they don't feel like they'll ever get better. And yet when I take this work through the steps and when I talk about it with you guys, and when I stay awake and aware, doing my 10 step during the day, answering those 11 step questions at night, meditating and praying in the morning, at night, and throughout the day, I get to show up as a different person today and food becomes less and less of an importance and you become more and more of an importance. My, I go from me, me, me to God, you, me, and that is it. And when I get caught back up into that me, me, me thing, which I was doing yesterday, I was like, God, I am stuck in my untreated behaviors right now, you know, thinking and ungratefulness and all of that. And please just put a cloak of you around me. That's, that's thicker than me so that I do not um, show up, uh, show up to other people in a way that they, uh, they don't deserve. And, and it was, it was a great unexpected experience to have had that, you know, I spent a lot of months saving for that trip. And I knew that it wasn't, that my life isn't mine anymore. You know, it's God and others. And so it's just, God, show me who you want me to be. And, um, and I was surrounded by love because of the power of prayer. Someone just happened to be thinking about me and reached out to me while I was out there. And I was like, I need to cry right now. And, uh, and I got to have direction and strength and, um, and I can, I'm free to look the world in the eye, you know, and that's one of the gifts of the ninth step, uh, that doing the ninth step is thanks. And that I don't have to, um, crawl before anybody. And when I feel like that, I have steps and the, the 12, the ninth step promises are great indicators to show me because they materialize. They always materialize if I work for them. And if I can go into those ninth step promises and there are some that aren't true, I have a design for living that really works. And that's all I got. Thanks. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. 
If you need to share, please do so with anyone, any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please raise, please click the raise your hand icon. Okay, uh, Deb, Deb has her hand up and then Bob M. Thanks, Frank. Um, hi, Karen. Thank you so much. Um, what has changed in your food plan since, uh, you know, starting program and then recovery and, uh, you know, your bulimia? So how has it changed? Thanks, Deb. Uh, my first absence, I guess, was probably just not eating cane sugar. I tried so many different food plans and I just wasn't sticking to them. And then when I got abstinent from bulimia, I heard a speaker share that, that my first abstinence was not to purge. And so, and she was like, and the first time I binged, I had to sit with that food in there. And yeah, I had that experience. Um, today, I am vegan and uh, it keeps my disease quiet. I, um, you know, I eat uh, three meals a day and, and probably two snacks. I don't eat cane sugar. I really um, white flour. I just feel like crap afterwards. So I don't eat white flour. No corn is in my diet. And most of those things have been removed just because the more awake and aware I've become, the more awake and aware I've become to what, uh, what my body, how, how I feel and certain foods, just you know, inflammatory stuff. So as far as food plan, I don't eat cane sugar and, um, really dried, dried fruit, anything like that concentrated stuff that'll just spike the sugar craving in my body. That's how I eat. And I have a food plan. I have, I've reached out to somebody outside me who uh, is a professional in, in a practice I like to do. And so, and then Bob. Yes. Uh, thank you for your share. Um, can you uh, explain your concept or your idea of a higher power? Sure. My, um, I do have, um, a concept of a higher power that I, that I read and, and, um, and study my higher power. It's, it feels like love. That's something I've never experienced before. It's constant. Every morning I go for a walk with, with my higher power and I actually have conversation, a conversation. Um, it's, um, he's reliable. He's powerful palatable been present has shown up i felt presence of 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 god and um and through that i've been able to i have a practice we we practice at the house of um something called contemplative prayer so it's about sitting still and letting god um 
just letting God do what God does and and my higher power I see in you you know I see him in people and it's really just living by love and strength and consistency and power, peace, sense of direction. That is what uh, I get from my higher power that I constantly continue to grow towards less of me and more of God. Vincent, then Frank. Um, Hey, Karen, thank you so much for your share. Um, Has the program changed in any way how you relate uh, to other people, be it people close to you or even, you know, strangers? Everything's changed because um, it's not all about me and not taking you as so personal anymore. So everything, the way I relate to to the world, everything has changed. Um, I see, uh, I see the beauty past some of the muck sometimes. You know, like I just had that experience abroad. I could still see the beauty and the love in others, even when. Um, we're acting in fear and yeah, everything has changed, including finally, you know, with my mom and my brother, everything has changed. And I, how I want to show up for, for life is kind, patient, and tolerant because other people deserve that. You know, the ninth step is about setting other people free from the things I've done. And, 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 and I want to just be a, a different person today and I cannot be a different person without a higher power in my life. That's all I got. And Frank. Yeah, thank you, Karen. Thanks for your share. Thanks for your service. So what might you say to someone like me who kind of thinks he has somewhat of a, a spiritual program, but still places too much emphasis on the food and weight part of the program? And ideas you might have so that I can let go of the food more and transition more into being spiritually fit. Act as if. <laughs> What's worked for me is that I answer those. The we tick off boxes every night on on all the nine tools of OA. Am I working the tools? You know, look at the evidence of of what I'm doing, even if I don't want to. And I'm less distracted by myself when I'm thinking about others. And um, even I'm single and starting to date. And I think first it's me, me, me. What am I going to get? And instead it's like, God, show me what you want me to be for this person who I'm about to meet. I have no idea what that's about. And and so it's uh, it's a new habit and a new practice. Because when I'm stuck in me, 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 I am not uh, free. And I need freedom, not just relief today. So that's what I do. I, I, I look at the nine tools. I have a commitment. I, I go in person to people I need in person I'm doing things. I don't want to do like I'm doing this day of silence tomorrow. I'm going to the OA birthday party. I mean, these are things that, you know, I have terminal coolness issues. So I don't want to hang out with you guys, you know, <laughs> and yet it's the only place that, uh, that has changed my life. So thank you. Justine. Yeah. Hi, thank you so much. Uh, I, wow, related. I just, uh, I'm newish. 
like very, I just got 60 days. So I appreciate, I'm like, and the, from freedom from that horrific bulimia. Oh my God. It's life changing, of course. So I, I thank you so much for sharing and wanted to ask uh, with, try to keep this concise. In coming to OA with experience in another program, and I think you answered this, but did your higher power, uh, was that a new experience in your OA steps? Did you have a new, was it like a, a new higher power experience? I mean, it's not all, you know, cognitive, but, you know. Well, Justine, what I need to do is set aside everything I think I know. Every time I work the steps in that book, and especially when I'm talking about this disease, because this disease has a whole nother component that I've been so blind to because I know too much. And, and I don't come in, you know, I used to come in and there's always those, you know, I've had this much time in another program. So I know this book. Well, if you know, then, then it's killing you what, you know, you know, I need a new experience. I need a new experience. Tanya. Hi, thank you so much for your share. Um, you sort of started to answer it right after I put my hand up, but I wanted to know, um, I heard you say you hate your mother. I hate my dad. <laughs> and um, it's gotten much better, but, you know, he, he fat shamed me and my youth into, uh, and I chose to cope with food. At what point in your recovery did you actually truly forgive your mother? And how have you practiced or how did you practice um, self-forgiveness? Those are good questions. Um, if I'm believing other people are doing something to me, I'm still a victim. And I need to get out of, uh, of, of being a victim or I'm, I'm never, uh, or I'm, you know, I, it's a bondage of self when I'm a victim. And so I remember being on top of the mountain up here and, uh, in six step work and just going, God, please help me let this go because it's affecting me. It's affecting them. And it's affecting more people than I even know about. And something started to shift and change. Cause I just started to be willing to want to be willing to get, to stop holding on to this story and, and be driven by the victim mentality because it's, it's driven by a belief system. That's not true. Uh, I believe that um, self-forgiveness comes from doing the work that when I can start showing up different, that uh, I start to um, be different. And I have these uh, moral and philosophical convictions galore and I can't live up to them. I can't live up to them. And, And that, and more and more I see how much that their spiritual unmanageability is what is really, uh, alive and well in my life today versus because I've done a lot of work on my mental and I've done a lot of work on my physical work and I've done the steps and I've, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And yet there's still this unmanageability going on and, and to come to learn about the, um, the bedevilments and doing a whole inventory on those and just really seeing the spiritual unmanageability in my life and, and how much, um, I concede to my innermost self that, uh, you know, Illusion, delusion, conclusion based on a false belief system that um, I've internalized other people. And then I can't even see that, 
you know, people don't um, do to me, you know, um, and yet sometimes it feels like it. So I have to uh, start to be awake and aware and be open to want to look at things from a different angle if I want to be free. Five more minutes for questions. Thanks, Nicole. Don't see any more hands up. Hands up. If I don't see your hand in this up, you want to just share? Maybe I'm missing it. There you Kay. Um, hello, I thank you for your share. I was just wondering, have you made peace with food or are you afraid of certain foods? I'm not afraid of food. More aware of the disease of my, that I need to stay conscious of the disease of my mind because it's always there. Thank and you so That's step 10, practicing step 10 helps me... Uh, stay awake and aware because the disease is you know that negative mind it's not like if I have a feeling to pay attention to to get to pay attention when I have a feeling pay attention to my thoughts and turn because that's when the problem starts to happen it's it's I have a feeling and I want to think through the feeling I can't do that what I need to do more is I have a feeling and I have to turn my attention and it's a it's a habit it's a it's a practice thanks for asking but I do understand the, the fear of, of food. I heard somebody share. She said, I used to, she said, you know, we talk about in this program, putting your dragon in the cage three times a day. And, and she said, and, but I want freedom. I don't want to have a dragon to have to put in a cage. But in the beginning, that's what it feels like. And through the years of my recovery, I've had that. And compulsive eating has, has taken its, uh, has you know, has been alive and well in my life. Um, and, um, sometimes it feels like that, but, but because you guys keep telling your stories of freedom, it, it gives me the reminder that, um, that it happens when I need those reminders. So stay close. Those three calls a day make a big difference or which tools don't I want to do? You know, that those are the ones that when I do them, they, Something happened. We have time for one more. Uh, Rachel. Oh, hi, Karen. Thanks for sharing. What do you think helps you keep your enthusiasm for the program? Thanks. The big book is the greatest love story ever created. And staying in it, uh, um, staying in it keeps me excited. And going to meetings keeps me excited. Um, and, and, that's what keeps, and staying close to a higher power so that my perspective and what I see in the day, so much better than what I used to see. 